I think there were several times yesterday where I was ready to say happy Thursday to you, and every time except one I caught myself and said happy Wednesday. But today must be the day I've been waiting for, because it is Thursday, February 16th, and you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. It's amazing to me how sometimes the most simple things, what day of the week is it? We can get lost on that. So if we can get lost on that, it's no wonder we have to work so hard sometimes to stay on the path in the life of faith. That's why we're here together this morning on Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to work hard to stay together in that life. We're going to be on the way, the roadmap, the road to heaven, God willing. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Thursday to you. I mean, I really don't know why yesterday I kept jumping the gun and saying, it's Thursday, it's Thursday. I don't know why, but today is Thursday. There must be something today that I was really excited about. I, for the life of me, I don't know what that is, but here we are. Today on the show, we're going to continue our conversation with Father Wade Menezes that we began the other day. This is something that we uh, I was able to sit down with Father on Tuesday for this discussion, and it was so good we had to break it up into parts to bring it to you throughout the course of the next few days. For our radio listeners, we're also going to hear some words from Father John Hollowell on having our sins forgiven and the importance of our Catholic faith in that. And then also we're going to hear how to pray in God's presence from Gabe Castillo that's all on the show, plus the daily dose of encouragement. And as we've come to know and love every morning, what's the weather going to be? Well, not only are we going to turn to Mike Roberts for the weather, we're going to turn to him for the saint of the day. So at least if the weather won't warm our, uh, ourselves, the saint of the day might warm our souls. Let's go now to Mike. Today is the feast day of St. Juliana, who was a martyr. Born near the beginning of the 4th century in what is now Turkey, when she was still a young lady, she converted to Christianity, an act that enraged her father Africanus, who realized his daughter's conversion put his career as a Roman bureaucrat in serious jeopardy. Her conversion was also extremely dangerous because this was during the reign of the Roman Emperor Diocletian. Against her will, Juliana's father promised her in marriage to a Roman senator named Elysius, but she refused to marry him. In response, both men had Juliana arrested for being a Christian. She was imprisoned and brutally tortured. There were reports that she was seen fighting Satan and throwing him to the ground. Finally, she was sentenced to death, burned at the stake, then thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. St. Juliana, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Here's a question for you. Do you ever have your email open or set to notify you every time you get a new email? Sometimes I do that, and every day about this time of day, I get an email from the United States Postal Service telling me what to expect in my mailbox today. It's fascinating. They scan my mail. They send me an image of it. 
And I love it because some days I rush home and I'm like, I can't wait to get to the mailbox. And other days I'm like, I don't want what's in there today. And I was just thinking, you know, wouldn't that be great as we're approaching the season of Lent, if every time we could see something great was coming our way, we could know in advance and be like, oh my goodness, this is going to be amazing. I got to rush. I got to get there. I want that. And uh, every time we could say, oh, there's something coming I need to be uh, wary of, we could say, all right, I'm ready. I'm prepping myself for that. Sometimes we can know, sometimes we can't. But one thing I do know is we have to treat every day getting ready for whatever may come our way and relying on God to be ready to confront those things in life. When we talk about Lent, we are talking this week in the general sense. What is Lent? What are we talking about? You know, what is the significance of 40 days, all of this? We had a conversation the other day with Father Wade Menezes, and we're going to bring you more of that conversation on Lent in general right now. I want to go a little deeper here um, about about fasting. You know, fasting is a big part of Lent. That can't be denied. Fasting is a form of self-deprivation that deepens our appreciation of and longing for the food we really need, spiritual nourishment, par excellence in the Eucharist. And to receive the Eucharist, we have to be in a state of sanctifying grace, no known mortal sin on our soul. We want to make a holy communion, right? Not a sacrilegious communion. That's an important point to make. Uh, The reason why Christ's disciples do not fast is because they have given themselves over to Jesus completely. That passage, uh, or that scene, I should say, and, and passage from Matthew 9. Why, why don't your uh, your followers fast, huh? Like, like, like the teachers of the law do? Well, they've given themselves over to Jesus completely. And he says, there will be time to fast when the bridegroom is no longer present with them. But right now, the bridegroom is present with them. And so now is not the time for fasting. But now during Lent, we want to set aside this 40-day special period to uh, fast, Right. We want to give ourselves entirely over to Jesus like the disciples did, knowing that we are in this time awaiting his second coming from his Ascension Thursday, uh, 40 days uh, after his resurrection on Easter Sunday, till he comes again during the great parousia uh, told to us so beautifully in the book of the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation. And so we fast so that this Lent Christ will become our all. And at Easter time, we will be ready to welcome him and he will be with us uh, as he was with the disciples. Now, he's always with us. Don't get me wrong. For example, we continue to have him uh, in our lives. He's the resurrected God-man, Jesus Christ. We have him, of course, constantly in the Eucharist with us, in his real sacramental presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity. But in the liturgical season of Lent, we recall this separation to make us hearken even more for the lover, as as the Song of Songs tells us so beautifully in sacred scripture. Father, I, I dare I say that paying attention to all of this, especially as I look at my life, and and I was speaking the other day with uh, Dr. Scott Hahn about that first reading we'll hear on Ash Wednesday from Joel, Return to the Lord, in all of the ways that maybe I have parted myself from the Lord, whether it's through sin, through apathy, whatever it may be, that Lent is the medication Meditation's part of that, but Lent is the go. medication for us to make that return yeah. to the Lord. That's why God wanted me to mistype that originally, because he knew I would say it on the air, and then it would trigger you to make that connection, which is an excellent one. All right? I got to say that on Open Line Tuesday to Jack Williams and make it sound like it came all from me. Can uh, I do that? You, you can do that. I'll be here listening, and I'll, I'll smile when that happens. 
All right. Very good. Now, I want to talk about another important point of Lent as we cover generally the whole liturgical season. The fact that it's how many days, Adam? 40 days. 40. In other words, 40 means something for us Catholic Christians. It should mean something for every Christian that loves sacred scripture. Uh, 40 means something, especially in the life of the church, the life of the Christian, and it all springboards, if you will, from scripture itself, both the Old and New Testament. Uh, 40 means uh, several things that hearken to different themes of Lent that make us want to continue to grow, like the springtime that the old English word Lenten actually means, right? So listen to this. Scripturally speaking, 40 means something. It's plain and simple. It brings to mind such qualities as repentance, newness, preparation, say for an important work or task that's coming up. 40 also means self-examination, transformation, task fulfillment, something completed. It means escape from bondage or slavery as well in Scripture, such as to sin, for example. 40 also means nourishment and growth in sacred Scripture. Again, both Old and New Testament. For example, in the spiritual life, growth in the spiritual life. And finally, 40 means in sacred scripture, another theme here, personal fulfillment, maxing out at one's best version of self, okay? There's always room for improvement, but maxing out with God's graces that he desires to give you at that particular time, both sanctifying and actual graces, as well as prevenient graces, which can be an actual grace, because he wants us to be as close to him and others supernaturally in charity as we possibly can be. So herein brings to life two more themes, new generation, a generating life, thus new life itself. Now, what are some examples from scripture per se that these themes come from? Okay, are we ready for this, Adam? This is a great list. And we want to put on our seatbelt because it's a, it's, a, it's a fun ride to take. We're going to take a break here on the show to give you a chance to put on that seatbelt. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Father Wade Menezes. Prayer to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the apostles by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant us in this same spirit to be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. Before the break, we told you to buckle up because we're going to dive into some scripture here with Father Wade talking about the significance of the number 40 and the season of Lent. The reign of the great flood, the great deluge, lasted 40 days and 40 nights. Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights to prepare himself to receive the law. And then he remained atop Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights once he received the law. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years after fleeing the Egyptians and the slavery under the Egyptians, their slavery under the Egyptians. The manna that rained down on the Israelites for 40 years to feed them during their sojourn in the desert, that mysterious bread-like substance, it's actually a, a foreshadowing or a type the Latin would be typus, uh, of the Eucharist that was to come, that was to be instituted in the upper room on the night of the arrest, Holy Thursday night before the crucifixion, the following day, Good Friday. That mysterious bread-like substance fed the Israelites for 40 years in the desert. Huh? 
It gave, it gave them sustenance, in other words. Uh, the prophet Elijah walked 40 days and 40 nights to reach the mountain of God, Horeb, which is the same mountain as Mount Sinai, but it's the opposite side of it. How about the fact that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights to prepare himself for his three years of public ministry? And we know that Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after his glorious resurrection from the dead on Easter Sunday. 40 days later is Ascension Thursday, transferred to the closest Sunday in most dioceses here in the United States, but always falls the 40th day after Easter Sunday is a Thursday. It's, it's Ascension Thursday. Then get this. I, I love these last three. From Christmas Day to the presentation of the Lord in the temple by his parents, St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary, February 2nd, is, you got it, you guessed it, 40 days. And that officially closes the Christmas tide season. Some say that the Christmas season, and rightly so, would close on the Epiphany, but the Christmas tide season, in other words, those days or weeks after the Epiphany, the, the visit of the wise men, uh, usually January 6th or thereabout, uh, again, transferred to the closest Sunday, uh, is Christmas tide, the days between the Epiphany and, and the presentation of the Lord. But the presentation of the Lord officially closes Christmas tide, thus the Christmas season in its totality, if we want to say that. And from Christmas Day, December 25th to February 2nd, Okay, the presentation of the Lord in the temple. That's another 40-day period. How awesome is that? How about the human gestation period in the womb is about 40 weeks, give or take, all right? That's another beautiful reality. Talk about new life. And even the seeking, I love this one, even the seeking of a plenary or partial indulgence has a period of 40 days, Adam, as the time allotted for one to make a good and holy confession, that is within 20 days before the day that the spiritual work was carried out for this plenary or partial indulgence, up to 20 days after the calendar day that the spiritual work was carried out for the plenary or partial indulgence. Thus, 40 days total, 20 days before the work was carried out, 20 days after the work was carried out, you have this period to make that good confession. And of course, it's understood that on the day that you carried out the spiritual work, you had the moral certitude that you were in a state of sanctifying grace, that is, with no known mortal sin on your soul, because you received Holy Communion is one of the requirements to have the plenary or partial indulgence fulfilled as well, and you can't receive Holy Communion in a state of mortal sin, right? So it's understood that even though you have these allotted days before and after the calendar day itself that the spiritual work was carried out, it's understood that on the day it was carried out, you had moral certitude that you were in a state of God's sanctifying grace with no known mortal sin. So that, that's a list of what 40 means, that more, 40 means something. Again, these themes of, um, of self-examination, repentance, newness, preparation for an important task, transformation, task fulfillment, escape from bondage or slavery, nourishment and growth, new life, personal fulfillment, and new generation and salvation. So we, these, these are just fantastic, beautiful themes that we should bring to mind as we focus on the liturgical season of Lent. I absolutely love it, and I love that these things aren't just by chance or by coincidence, that there is always a deeper meaning behind the numbers here in the uh, the symbolisms that we find in the Scriptures, Father. So that's the general, and we start getting ready for this now. We're about a week out. 
And then next week, we, you know, it's 100% game on. And that's what we're going to be talking about the particular, the fasting and then, or the negative and the positive, the giving up and the doing more. But I do want to ask you about this before I let you go, Father. You, you mentioned earlier on the Sundays that we could, you know, treating them as solemnities, as the church does, we could set aside our Lenten fasting on those days. But what about those who say, well, you know, I think, Father, I just like to keep doing it. I, I mean, I don't mean to disregard the Sunday or the solemnity, but to, to have that success on the other six days, I think I need to just refrain from it on Sundays, too. They're most welcome to do that. They're, they're, not, they're not too rigid if they decide to do that. Not at all. This is just one example of the liberality in the true sense of the word, the freedoms, the freedoms, the liberality of Holy Mother Church. Look at all the options for the Mass, for example. Four Eucharistic prayers, primary ones to choose from. There's other ones as well, like uh, for Masses that have children present or for Masses where the main theme is reconciliation. There's other Eucharistic prayers as well, but four primary ones. How about the penitential rite? Uh, there's three options for the penitential rite, with the third one, uh, which is the the three times strophe, Kyrie, and, and Christe Ale song interspersed, I think there's nine options for that one. Uh, several of them are seasonal, like for Lent and for Christmas and Christmas tide, and Easter, Easter and Easter tide as well. So there's all these options. So this pietistical question that you're asking regards regarding personal piety and whether or not you want to exclude yourself from the Sunday fasting or not is perfectly okay either way. Yeah, no, no problem at all. There, there's no need to, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but it's good for our listeners to hear me say this, I think. There's no need to lend oneself towards scruples in this regard or scrupulosity. Should I or shouldn't I when it comes to Sundays during Lent? There's no need to do that. Great question. I, I love it. A, a friend of mine once shared this quote that we feast on feasting days, we fast on fasting days, and by observing those practices, we enjoy the feast even more and the fast becomes more meaningful. Amen. Amen. That's where we're going to leave off today in our conversation with Father Wade, but we're going to have more of that for you tomorrow. Let's take a break here, and then when we come back, we'll have the daily dose of encouragement for you. Consecration to Mary. My queen and my mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, as I am your own, keep me, guard me, as your property and possession. Amen. We pause on this Thursday for our daily dose of encouragement. This week we are talking about discernment for marriage, and here with another dose is Patty Schneier. Okay, so we're talking about some very, very practical ways to discern marriage, and we're talking about really some great discussion questions between any young man or young woman who might be considering marriage. And let me just say this very, very loudly and clearly. No one is perfect. That can be a real a challenge because if you're looking for Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, you're not going to find that person. However, today's dose of encouragement is important to balance knowing that no one is perfect However, addictions must be addressed and sin must be addressed. So I've got to throw some very difficult things out, but but this is truth. If you're having sexual relations outside of marriage, you know one thing about your partner. 
That person is willing to have sex with someone that he or she is not married to. And that person knows one thing about you. You are willing to have sex with somebody that you are not married to. How do you know that that is going to change after the wedding? You don't. Living in sin blinds you to the reality of the person. Living in sin prevents you from seeing things clearly. Stop living in sin and then see if this person is the one that you still want to marry. So do not ignore things like pornography or addictions to gaming, spending, alcohol, drug, or opioid addictions, thinking that they're just going to go away after marriage. And finally, this is important. Do not marry someone that you think you can just live with. Oh, I can live with these faults. I can live with these bad habits. I can live with this addiction. No, marry someone that you cannot live without despite their shortcomings. There's a big difference. You can live with anybody. You can live with a a sister, a cousin, a friend. You can live with a lot of people. But you want to marry someone that you absolutely cannot live without. Your heart, you just cannot live without them. And that you realize that their shortcomings together and with prayer and with the sacraments, that together you can grow in holiness together. I hope that that helps you in your discernment today. You said at the beginning there's no such thing as Mr. Perfect, and as Mr. Right, I can attest that that is absolutely true. Patty, thank you for this dose of encouragement. Somewhere near a radio or a smart speaker, my wife is listening to the show, and she just heard me make that comment about being Mr. Right, and she's shaking her head. And she's absolutely correct in that. Before we sign off today, I want to share with you some words about Blessed Alan de la Roche, one of my favorites out there. And, I, you know, I can't wait for the day that we get to call him St. Alan de la Roche. Blessed Alan de la Roche, if you're not familiar with him, he is uh, pretty much one of the key figures in bringing back devotion to the rosary after the Blessed Mother gave the rosary to St. Dominic. Uh, And then we had the plague, and a lot of the writings of St. Dominic were wiped out in the plague when they were burning things to eliminate the, uh, I don't know if it was bacteria, virus, whatever it was. But they literally burned things to get rid of the plague, and so we lost a lot of St. Dominic's writings. But before Blessed Alan de la Roche was instrumental in bringing back this devotion to the rosary, he lived a wayward youth. Uh, he was born Catholic, but he, I, I love the way uh, Father Calloway puts it, he wandered from a life of virtue. And how many of us have done that, unfortunately? He has a conversion. He joins the Dominicans, and the Blessed Mother appears to him and states that she was responsible. She was the one responsible for obtaining the grace of his conversion and that she had a mission for him, a very specific mission for him to accomplish, reviving and renewing the ancient Dominican rosary. She began to appear to him frequently, instructing him, telling him, here's what you got to do. And in many of those apparitions, our Lord accompanied the Blessed Mother. St. Dominic also appeared to Blessed Alan de la Roche. They all gave him instructions. Now, as happens, just like you and I sometimes, we hear the message loud and clear, but do we heed the message? No. And neither did Blessed Alan de la Roche until... Our Lord appears to him, and this is what's handed down to us in the writings that we receive, that he appeared to Blessed Alan de la Roche and said, you have all the learning and understanding you need to preach my mother's rosary, and you are not doing so. The world is full of devouring wolves, and you, unfaithful dog, 
Know not how to bark. Why do I bring this up? Well, next week on Tuesday, I'm going to have the opportunity to join a group of men in one final night of preparation on Shrove Tuesday before Lent begins. And we're talking about how now is the time for us men to make sure that we are fully engaged in our life of faith. And how often do we say, well, you know, Lord, I know you want me to do that, but uh, or, or honey, I know you want me to get involved, or so-and-so, I know you're asking this of me, but I don't have what it takes. I mean, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a priest. I'm not a deacon. I didn't go to school for this. You have been given what you need through the sacraments, through grace. The instruction is available out there. You can get the catechism free online. You can go through that catechism in a year. Uh, Father Mike Schmitz has that whole podcast on that. You can go to our radio programming throughout the day, especially Call to Communion, Open Line, and Catholic Answers, and call and get answers to questions that you need to know the answers to. You know, there's no shortage of knowledge out there. You have what you need. But the more and more I look at the world, it is not time, especially men for us, but it's not for, I'm speaking to everyone right now, but especially for us men, it is not time for us to sit on the sidelines and say, I'll get to that later. The world needs us to pray. The world needs us to fast. The world needs us to be that salt. The world needs us to be that light shining brightly. You know, I think there are a lot of us out there that are afraid. We're timid. We're scared. We don't want to be looked at as different. But we have God with us. We have him giving us what we need. Let's stop getting in our own way and let's start doing what he's telling us to do. Let's keep going to the Blessed Mother, asking for her intercession, asking for her guidance that we can do God's will. One of the reasons I tell you every day, not just because the Blessed Mother said so at Fatima to pray the rosary every day, but that's the only reason we should need, right? But one of the reasons I say pray the rosary every day is when you take that time to pray the rosary, you can really take the that time to keep asking over and over again help me to do god's will take that time to be quiet to discern god's will and take that time to prepare yourself to go out there and live the faith that we are called to live the world is dying to know our lord whether they know it or not that is the emptiness and their hearts are trying to fill can only be filled by the grace of god by the goodness of god so let's go out and be that beacon leading them to our lord let's pray in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen all glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen mary mother of the church pray for us saint joseph terror of demons pray for us in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen for covenant network i'm adam wright you've been listening to roadmap to heaven and i'm going to say it again pray your rosary today